we're here because of the movie Outbreak. Yeah, and and let's preface this with why we're choosing to discuss Outbreak. At Shameless this capitalism, that's why we're on Kind it. of, but not really. Um, unfortunately, with our platform, since we're doing movies or groups of movies, um, we are limited in the, the range of what we can sort of philosophically deep dive simultaneously and, and, and get in tune with the happenings of the real world and sort of embed that and mesh it into our conversation. With Contagion, we were ahead of the ball when it came to what we wanted to discuss because you and I have both been taking the coronavirus situation that's going on pretty seriously. Since since November, really. Since November, we had the Contagion discussion. I know I was watching that thing once a week Mm -hmm. (laughs) in November, uh, and my wife hates me for it, but now she thanks me for it because now uh, she's a little bit more informed. So... um, with Contagion, we were ahead of it, and I think that's the perfect movie to be ahead of it with. Mm-hmm. But now you're seeing the other, the the cascade effect, because now the general population is getting in the mix with all this, and Netflix viewership of certain movies is going through the roof. You can't see it's Contagion. It's number seven. You can't right watch now. Contagion on any streaming platforms yet, so you have to purchase that's it. That's are capitalizing on that. I know. Smartly. So then, then the second and third tier of your your viral outbreak movies, uh, they kick in. And this little gem from 1995 has risen up the ranks simultaneously as well, just because of the title itself. Outbreak. Outbreak. You know, I remember when Outbreak came out. Same I here. saw it in the theater. I was too scared to. Really? Uh, I, was, I was 12. It was, it was R-rated. I won't say scared. Uh, I was. You were scared of Marcel? No, I don't think I had a way of getting in the theater. Now that I think about it. Oh, yeah. I was sneaking into theaters since I was like 10. Yeah. I must have been 10 when this came out. This movie actually came out in 95, I believe, right? Yeah. I was a lonely uh, 12, 13-year-old man because I was moving from California to Texas, and I didn't have a group of friends uh, really down pat yet to like sneak into movies with me. So We're, We're more... Sometimes I find out that we're more... Uh, like them, we oh, are different. Yeah, I also came from California. I moved to Texas, but yeah, at an earlier age, I yeah. think I was three. So, so. you probably had friends <laughs> at, by that point that you could sneak <laughs> into movies with. Yeah. I did not, sir. I was the lonely kid who really just went to see movies with his grandfather uh, more than, often than not. If they were R rated, that's if, nice. If they were PG thirteen, I would ask to be dropped off and like go see it myself, and then I would sneak into movies. Um, um, yeah, I've I've been to movies by myself. Um, either way, I'm good. I like them. It depends on what kind of movie, but yeah, I usually had a group of friends that would, and my group of friends actually showed me how to sneak in. Nice. They had been already been doing it, and I was like the guy like, what? No, I don't want to get caught. And then I found out how easy it was and how nobody cares because they don't get paid enough to care. Yeah, right. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to watch all these movies all day. Yep. And my dad had, you know, my dad was working like two jobs and he was happy to drop us off all day and then come back and pick us up, you know. When it's we a win-win ready. situation. Everybody wins minus the business establishment. Arcade games, the, you know, yeah, keep you busy in between. Absolutely. But yeah, so let's, now that we've talked about Outbreak 1995, it's a two hour and 17 minute movie. It's rated R, like you said. Um, the director is Wolfgang Peterson. Great guy. Great director. And, you know, I'm a fan of his work, his breadth of work. Um, I'm going to go through it a little bit so you guys know. The first movie that I kind of, I'm sure he's done das other Boot. movies. Das Boot. That's 81. the one. My movie, the one I grew up on, was The NeverEnding Story. Oh, wait a second. 84. You're not going to... Don't don't go through it. Don't consider this a challenge. You're not going to go through his 15 to 20 no, German films? No, no. 
I, I just don't think most people, and I'm sorry, Germany, because I know we have Germany listeners now. Yeah. We're actually all over the world, it seems, yeah. from the contagion Even, ones. Yeah. We only have 70% viewership weird in how America. That works. It's weird how the the viro, the virality of that particular episode has intended. mirrored uh, the virality of what's going on. Yeah. But so, that means people want to be informed any yeah. way that they can. <laughs> so uh, Das Boot, Never Ending Story in 84, Enemy Mine in 85. There's a good one. Patrick's... Most people don't know this movie, but I loved it. You what, know, Enemy Mine. Enemy Mine. Oh, that's a great yeah, one. I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid. Lou Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid. Uh, oh, Dennis Quaid. I don't know why I said Patrick Swayze. Sorry. Oh, I didn't even hear you say yeah, Swayze. Uh, maybe I said it in my mind. I don't uh, know. Uh, okay. Shattered in '91. In the Line of Fire, 93. And great then, movie. Yeah, and then he did this movie in 95, and then he did Air, Air Force, Force One, 97, and my Air Force Ones. It's hard yep. to not say it that way now. Um, he also did The Perfect Storm in, in 2000. Yep. I love this movie. A lot of people hated this movie, but Troy in 04, mm-hmm. I actually really liked it. And it's one of the only times that I actually preferred the theatrical version over the director's, director's version. Cut. It's the been a while since I've revisited it both. It is really bad, dude. Well, we've, For me. Got, we've got down the road, we've got a director's cut conversation coming yeah. up. So, uh, yeah. Stay tuned. I, I think that'll get mentioned at that point. Yeah, we have Poseidon in 06 and, uh, yeah. then, and then against the bank in 2016. <laughs> and, then, and, then and then nothing. And then nothing after Poseidon. Well, I think... Um, Troy was a disaster. Troy was too. Poseidon was a huge disaster, but a lot of people did not want to work with him after Troy. Really? Yeah, especially Peter O'Toole. He said he hated him so much that he would never work with him ever again. I wonder why that is, because I didn't hate Troy as a movie. I didn't either. Well, I mean, there was a lot of criticism criticism of like Brad Pitt and his Oklahoma accent for like a, Uh, you know, but... I honestly really love this movie as a guy. Maybe because it's a and I Spart- yeah, it's it's uh, pre three hundred. Yeah, well, it's but pre three hundred. So but you know, was, I was a Hector fan. I I wasn't really like everybody likes Achilles, but Hector did it for the right. Yeah, reasons. Eric Bana was the the truth in that movie. Yes, and Paris ugh, hated Orlando. Oh, we're talking about another movie. Yeah, Let's get back movie. on track. <laughs> so about Wolfgang Peterson, uh, really, just my my opinion on him as a director is this, and this is important for the context of the outbreak discussion that we're going to have. From those titles, uh, minus The Perfect Storm, uh, which is on there, right? It is? Yeah, Perfect, yeah, Perfect Storm. Storm. Everything else is like a sort of a sensationalization, a minor sensationalization of true life stuff that could occur. So, uh, Troy was well, found to be true, so that I would yeah, still put that in there. but it's still got to be Hollywoodized a little bit. All of them are Hollywood. That's what you're saying. Uh, except there's a minus little bit Perfect of Storm. Oh, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, Perfect Storm was true. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is there's no there's minor Hollywood elements in Perfect Storm. There's no like over sensationalization of the story in Perfect Storm. It's it's sort of a this is how it went down because they got a lot of their information for that movie from firsthand accounts yeah. and from the people of uh, the mm-hmm. Northeast regions as that nor'easter was just blasting them. Yeah. Now you can't do that with Troy because they're <laughs> it's you hard to get firsthand well, accounts. They found books and you know they found the walls of Troy apparently. In the Line of Fire sure. is another example. It's a Secret Service sort of in-depth look yeah. at an individual and how they deal with perce- So they're taking uh, hypothetical um, situations. Das Boots, another one. Um, Air you, Force One is another one. That's never happened. Uh, Air Force yeah. One has never occurred. Well, if you look at his IMDb page, if yeah. you go there, it literally says, and this is the first time I've ever seen on director, uh, does best when directing a disaster-like movie. I see. And so I'm like, what I'm whoa, saying, I've never seen Wolfgang that Wolfgang Peterson is, I believe, a prepper. 
uh, through his is. films. Because when you actually when you think about it, the never ending story. I know you probably never seen it. Cause I have not. not. Fantasy. I'm not into '80s American fantasy but films. In the end, it is about the end of the world or ah. the end of imagination. It is like a the thing is what's Ooh. coming. The nothing is coming, and it's like you can't explain what it is, but everything is is just going away. It's like a big black storm that's coming to disintegrate everything so it's kind of the same thing and that's what they're battling in that movie and so this these fantasy elements are in it of course and i love that movie i grew up on it so i do believe that they are probably spot on they are all kind of disaster like movies when you think about it something goes wrong and they're trying to uh you know not get killed by whatever is going to happen but the what goes wrong in these wolfgang peterson movies is always a little bit removed from reality uh, oh yes, especially in the movie we're talking about today. Yes, outbreak in the first five minutes of this oh, movie. You know, I had a reality goes problem. out the window. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I would. You know, I like the movie, so I want to go out and say this. I actually like the movie. It does have some really good points. Bits. Yeah, it yep. does have some really good things to cling on to. But the thing that gets me upset about this movie so much is the inconsistencies throughout the film, like, you know, like the beginning, the intro where they're in a, you know, a class three uh, the lab lab and they're like working on Ebola and syphilis and yeah. all these things. Mind you, the level two uh, introduction, because uh, they go from one to two to three to four yeah. and level two is influenza. So look, hey, if you're if you're wanting to take this to uh, conspiracy theory land real quick, real fast, uh, the level four lab in Wuhan, uh, that was mm-hmm. a level four lab, which is the top, by the way. So guys. there would be no flu like uh, viral strains in a level four lab dedicated mm. to level four well, because we- outbreak says. They would be in level yeah. two. So what about a coronavirus? Banking, I know well, that was in I'm the seventies, right? That's when it first came out. The coronavirus. Well, they didn't even put it uh, in their little introduction in outbreak. I would, I would expect something of the magnitude of what's occurring uh, mm-hmm. on the globe right now to be three or four. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I was. You're right, though. But coronavirus. I don't know if it's in the four uh, level four, but I know they've had it since what seventy six is when it was first um, come about, or the group of coronavirus. Yeah, it's important to note the group, not the current COVID nineteen no. strain. Yeah, this is why it's important to know that it is a strain, and that's why it's unusual that it has these characteristics that are not like coronavirus, like surviving on a hard surface for nine days. Correct. That's unusual. Yeah, it or seems, killing only old folks, and, uh, apparently. Well, I don't think it does just kill old folks, but it does Same definitely here. has a, a, a culling effect. Right. Let's just say that. And what I would like to say about the coronavirus, though, is that um, why we're, do, we're comparing it to outbreak is that outbreak is really about a bioweapon yes. that got out of hand that the government is trying to conceal mm-hmm. and is not allowing the CDC or the army medical, I guess that's what they are, the army. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it's called in the army, to be honest. And I don't even know why they would be doing it like that. I thought I thought it would be the CDC or the who. Right, but there are on. definitely army medicals and the. I mean, Dustin Hoffman's character yes. is in the army. He's wearing. And I do, do you remember have, the acronym that he worked for? It's like the ASIMDCC, something like that. Some long one. Yeah, and that's another problem. Again, the inconsistencies in military. Yeah. Like first off, Dustin Hoffman would be wearing a beret of some sort, um, to something to show that he had. That's his. That's rank his rank yeah he's just wearing an army you know and what i heard is that he just didn't want to wear it because he didn't like the way it looked on him oh uh, well that makes sense yeah but still like the inconsistencies is what takes away from this movie and i wish they would have been a little bit more 
accurate like, say, Contagion was with Steven Soderbergh. This movie is 16 years before Contagion. Uh, and, and this is a beef that I have with Hollywood in general when it comes to these sorts of movies. We don't have, we, we were talking about it before going in. Like, do we, do we match this up with another movie that can sort of be pitted against it? Uh, we shot around stuff like World War Z and other zombie-like movies, uh, Resident Evil. You can't really do it. You have to have a movie that is contained in the world of disease or or a viral outbreak to compare the two. So we hot off the heels of Contagion, which is a recent 2011 uh, look at how a, a virus recent, would yeah. affect the world. Prior to that, this is this is what people had to go off of. If movies are your source of like getting a little added information and insight on things before YouTube is around, all that sort of stuff, this is what people thought diseases moved like and there there is some merit to it because uh the particular disease the uh, in this movie it's called the mobata disease uh, or yeah. mobata strain I, I don't quote me on that but yeah. it, it's supposed to be symbolic of what ebola, ebola it uh, actually is, like. is if you look at the uh, picture that they put up of the, that's the ebola that strain. is actually yeah, the, the ebola strain. mickey mouse pancake looking uh yeah so if you're on if and that's the thing, though. So, like, Ebola, right? When you look at Ebola, and it is super scary, right? Yeah. But it it isn't something that's going to be super contagious. Right, because it's a two- to three-day uh, incubation Yeah, so, period. yes, it is sensationalized because, hey, man, you die, like, in the worst way possible. It's it's disgusting. You bleed from every orifice from your pores. And it is quite... It's basically the Mobata virus in this movie is Ebola. Yes. Let's just say... Let's just go with, out and with say With a that. little bit of Hollywood. Yes, it's it. sensationalized with the, how quickly and then it goes, it goes airborne, of course. So that is the worst-case scenario. Um, I do like that they that they got to this, but yes, it is a sensationalized, epic kind of movie in the design of Wolfgang Peterson, right? Yes. So it, it does very much We've feel already, like an epic movie. We already figured that out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did want to go into the writers, uh, and this is kind of weird for me. So the writers are Lawrence Dwaret, Dwaret, whatever, and Robert Roy Poole. Now, Lawrence Dwaret, or Dwaret, has no writing credits besides this, basically. And Robert Roy Poole, um, he does have writing credits, but they're a little weird. So uh, The Big Town and uh, Angels in the Sky. So those two are the movies that he has screenplay credits for. But Armageddon, he has a screenplay, uh, not a screenplay credit, but a story credit. Uh, look which at that. Means, tie, tie back into some. Uh, yeah. So he has a little bit of film story lore there. there. Yeah, so. I knew I heard that name somewhere. <laughs> we did discuss this yes, guy on uh-huh. Armageddon. Son of a gun. Yeah, and I think we'd even mention he did Outbreak. <laughs> he's got to be a prepper if he... Uh, Maybe. He doesn't if have If he's many... writing Outbreak and Armageddon, he's got to be a sort of end-of-the-world uh, yeah. fanatic. And, you know, let me let me um, go back and apologize for that. So I'm not going to say that they don't have any writing. Uh, they haven't written a lot because they might have a lot of move, move, or screenplays out there that are floating out there and that haven't been made. So these are just the ones that have been made. Um, and I want to go into this because this is kind of a little dig for me on the movie. So I'm going to go into the composer. All right, His name is James Newton Howard. Great composer, by the way. Pretty good. And I'm going to give you a lineup of a few of his movies. All I'm right. not going to go into the 180 movies he has. Okay, so he did the most recent probably is Fantastic Be- uh, Beasts um, and Where to Find Them and The Crimes of Grindelwald. He did both of those. He did Red Sparrow. 
Concussion, Nightcrawler, The Born Legacy in 2012, Green Lantern. Mm, I'm putting that in there so you can kind of see that he has some really good ones and really bad ones. And then ones. some duds. Uh, like Larry Crown, I loved. The Last Airbender, bleh, The Tourist, no. The Dark Knight, he worked with Hans Zimmer with. Oh, okay. Which is great. The Happening, we were talking about this the other day. Yes. Signs, French Kiss, Just... Uh, sounds like he's got a good uh, relationship with M. Yeah. Night Shyamalan. Just Cause, West, I mean, sorry, Waterworld, Wyatt Herb, and Falling Down. Oh, nice. So he's had some good credits there, but he's had some really bad ones. And I'm going to say this one might not be so good. It, it hasn't I, it's held up. It's not memorable for me. Well, I, don't, just, I didn't even take note of the score in this film like I did in Contagion. Yeah, it's not even... It's not memorable. It sounds a lot like that era of disaster you know yes music that drama is, yeah just it sounds dun, dun, more dun, dun, like dun. trailer music throughout the yes trailer of music the movie. thank you that's yeah. exactly what it was it's just over the top and they kind of even put some it sounds like they put some synths in there sometimes mm. every now and then and mm. i'm like kind of i'm like what's going on here like and it kind of took me out of the story besides the inconsistencies both of those two things yeah so, we we were gonna um we were going to introduce the the movie in the first five minutes of this thing. You're taken back to I want to say like 1970s, uh, the 1970s in Zaire. Oh, 1967. Okay, so Vietnam era. Um, I guess so. They were in Africa and they just basically carpet bomb a freaking well, uh, village that has the Motaba virus. Yeah, you see visit. these two American guys in CDC uh, hazmat suits. You can't see their faces. Spoiler alert: one of them's Donald Sutherland, who's like. The, the, big, bad guy. the big bad guy in this movie, the gray-haired bad guy. I love Donald Sutherland. Yeah, he's though. a good bad guy. He's, you know what? And he's also a loving character sometimes. Like yeah, he he has a good range. But you bet. we all know him for the bad guy roles. Yeah, like, for even, sure. But he he is really great, and we have Morgan Freeman as well. Yep. Um, I bet I think he's one of the guys there too. But you just don't realize. It. I can't recognize. He's his a voice. bad guy in this movie. And He's I, a bad guy that changes his stance, kind of. But. I appreciate Morgan Freeman in bad guy roles. I wanted to watch Dreamcatcher as soon as I had finished Outbreak because mm. he's a real bad guy in Dreamcatcher. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dreamcatcher was hot off the heels of Outbreak, and I think he uh, Morgan Freeman brought a little bit of that, that core sort of uh, character attitude into that role because, yeah, somebody watched Outbreak and was like, ooh, Morgan Freeman's a, a pretty good bad guy. Yeah. And I do have a little bit of criticism for Morgan Freeman in this. Like, I I think Morgan Freeman is the one of the greatest actors of all time. Mm-hmm. However, I do feel like it's an oversight for Wolfgang Peterson on the parts where Morgan Freeman gets angry. I just don't feel it. Yeah. I don't feel the anger from Morgan Freeman. I think that was a bad take. They should have done it again to get that real like rawness. Like he's super upset, but, but he's, he's still wrong. so smooth. He's always wrong in this movie. Oh, he, of course. He, his yeah. perspective is the military sergeant who's trying to cover all of this up. And for... Because he's a part of it. For the majority of it, yeah. He's, he, he's trying to save his ass. But, exactly. But so how can anger. you have an anger when you're in the wrong and you know you're in well, the wrong? Because I think his character knows he's in the wrong. Oh, of course. But the part I'm, I'm talking about is when... Dustin Hoffman does not want to get sent to another place and they're arguing about oh, it. And he's yeah. like, damn it, Billy, just go when I tell you to or whatever. And because he's trying to save his friend's life, basically, because they're going to kill him if he keeps doing yes, this. Yes, if he keeps poking So the bear. there is supposed to be real anger there, but I just felt Morgan Freeman's a little too smooth, though, still. Like, I, I've seen him angrier in other movies, you so, know? So let's, uh, let's catch folks up to that. Uh, but again, Morgan Freeman, I love you. So <laughs> I'm sorry that I had to put that. I think it's more of an oversight of Wolfgang Peterson that they should have taking another take or, yeah. or something else because okay. I felt I didn't feel 
the anger that I wanted to feel from him in that moment. So, like we mentioned, this is the only uh, major Hollywood movie in prior to Contagion that is even trying to tackle this issue. So maybe they didn't even know how Morgan Freeman was supposed to react in that situation. And the writing yeah. uh, is probably contributory of, of the sort of staleness that he presents. Cause mm. I get it. Um, I just think it was a bad direction on Wolfgang mm. Peterson's part. He should have understood, noticed that performance and say, we need to do this again. Okay. And I need this from you. But like I said, this this cast is actually the strong point of the movie, in yeah, my personal opinion. You've got multiple Academy yeah. Award winners. You've got a couple sleaze bags in supporting roles as yeah. well. Uh, both I'm, Cuba Gooding yeah. Jr. and Kevin Spacey are like, <laughs> I watched them walk into a room together. I'm like, well, shit, this didn't age well, but yeah. okay. But you know what? I really, I really like what I saw from most of them. And, you know, this is one of probably the first movie I saw Dustin Hoffman not play uh, an eccentric of some sort, right? He's yeah. usually playing some... And he, his Sometimes. roles are very crazy, like from Hook to Rain Man. Wag you the know, dog. Yeah. to all, uh, There's a lot the of- The Graduate. He, uh, meet the Fockers. Yeah. I mean, he's always playing some kind of eccentric role, and maybe he's more like that, The Graduate. But in this one, he seems very normal. Sam seems logic. like a real guy. Yeah. yeah. And this is the first time I've ever seen him like that. And I just want to say, if you've never seen, <laughs> I don't know if this was an influence from Jurassic Park, but he's very much dressed like uh, Dr. Dr. Grant. Dr. Grant. <laughs> a little <laughs> in bit. In this movie, without the red handkerchief he, he and play, the hat. He plays Colonel Sam Daniels in this movie, uh, who works mm-hmm. for the, I'm going to get the acronym, the United States Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases. So mm. it is the USAMRIID. LMNOP. Yeah. And they actually show that on the screen, uh, like in the second scene, as they drive up to the facility and they take yeah. you through their little lab. I, I, I actually like the lab intro, the little uh, level one, and everybody's got their masks off yeah. and like their hands and the diseases. I'm like, oh, salmonella, no big deal. Yeah. All right. Cool. Security guards outside getting a cup of water <laughs> a and he walks in. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm not going to wash my hands after cooking eggs anymore. Oh. No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, That's that. So, again, those are some of the problems, but you know, they did get some things right. Like, one of the things they got, like, in the opening scene where uh, they basically carpet bomb. They don't carpet bomb. I guess I say that because it's easier, but they really they have a bomb. Care package. Yes, it's a care package. A if town in Zaire, uh, a town in Zaire that was infected severely by this. I do believe uh, we would Mataba do that. virus. Yeah, Mataba. See, it's all Mataba. coming back to me now. Mataba. Yeah, and but the thing that they got right is the way that the how Africa deals with it a lot of times in their huts is that they leave food out there, and once the food stops getting taken or being left out, they burn that hut. Yeah. To to contain whatever infectious disease. That's how that's how rudimentary people do it, man. They just destroy. Oh, I'm not putting it past the U.S. government or any world government when when they didn't have the technology to deal with this kind of stuff in the 60s and 70s. Like this sounds like the way that it would have been handled. Is mm-hmm. what else can we do? I mean, this thing is is has the potential of infecting large communities outside of it. I, what else can we do in 1967? I mean, pour some stinging bleach, for God's sakes. <laughs> I mean, that's how Ebola was taken care of in the 90s when I was in health class. They showed us a video of the outbreak. I believe there was an Ebola outbreak 
um, around, was it the Dengue River or something like that in well, Africa? Well, the Dengue has got its own thing, the Dengue yeah, Fever. Yeah. Uh, that's how they name all of these things. Ebola they, was named off the off, Ebola River, Mataba, yeah. uh, fictional. But there was, a, there was a small outbreak when I was in high school, so it must have been somewhere between well, there was an outbreak in 2003. There was an, well, there was an outbreak when Outbreak came out yes. in Zaire. Uh, uh, this movie was released, actually, as an outbreak was occurring, which then brings in the whole, like... Uh, I, yeah. I I was twelve, so I wasn't watching CNN too. I, on a I, nightly basis to keep track of the <laughs> Ebola outbreak in Zaire in that time. But yeah. you would think that this was sort of a timely design, like, oh, Ebola is going to be on people's maps now uh, in the United yeah. States. It's going to be on their radar. So let's have a movie that discusses. Uh, it's very fortuitous that. for yes. them, really, in marketing. They probably were thrilled that people were dying Which from makes Ebola you wonder, to make people go see this movie. Let me ask you because your your film opinion in general is just through the roof. And that's why the show is, uh, I look forward to every single talk we have. Where do you think movies are going to go when it comes to coronavirus? There's somebody writing something right now. But what are they writing? Are they writing the Grand Princess Cruise Line story of being quarantined? How can you... How, yeah, but what sort of action is there I when it's you people just sitting in their room getting sick? five stories probably being written. One of them is going to be the cruise line okay. uh, agenda. There's going to be one of the outbreak in New York, I'm sure, mm-hmm. and one in San Francisco. There's going to be several scripts floating out there. I'm sure there's going to be 100,000 scripts be. just freaking avalanching in Hollywood within about three months. Which ones are going to be the ones that stand apart from the pack and say, oh, wow, this is this is a good... Is it going to be the Chernobyl-esque sort of inside what's really happening as far as the government's concerned? No, that'll happen 30 years from now. Uh, that will happen way later when things are I told like, my co-host on meandering this, I said, don't be the guy that waits around 20 to 30 years for the miniseries to tell you that you were wrong now. That's what will happen. It'll, <sighs> it'll be 20 to 30 years when it's safe to talk about it, when nobody's in power that was in power at the time. That's unbelievable. But right now, what you're going to find is sensationalized drama stories within the actual epicness of a disease uh, hitting the the place. So, like Outbreak, exactly. So Outbreak is that is the strong suit That's of why it. Outbreak is a good movie for people to watch right mm-hmm. now. It's not. Do not watch this movie saying, "Oh, this is what's going on right now in the world," uh, as far as the disease is concerned. Mm-hmm. But the way that the characters handle it and the way that their personalities differ. Yeah, you can you can take that to the bank. Dustin Hoffman's the guy who is the expert on the matter, and he's the one saying this is a bigger deal than anybody is leading on to it. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the people in power don't realize that it is a big deal. They know full well that it is a big deal. They have the foresight of having been involved with the same thing long ago and knowing how big of a deal that it is because they were involved with it. So... Uh, yeah, I, I'm and, not... and that's the thing, though. So that's what's gross about this is that um, it's very close to home on what's going on right now as far as a bioweapon. And they found a virus in the deep jungles of Africa, and they decided to carpet bomb it to eliminate it, and they kept the virus to use as a bioweapon because nobody's ever seen this, and they won't be able to stop it. That's what you do with a novel yeah. virus. and they came up with their own uh, you know, Mutation vaccine. Mutation of it. You know? Well, they came up with their own vaccine. They had it. Oh, yeah. And you find out halfway through the movie when Morgan Freeman decides to have a conscience and say, no, we got to save these people. And he takes it yep. and he synthesizes it and they make it for the original 
strain. strain. So they save a couple of those people. But remember, it's already muted, mutated to Sorry, you got airborne. rid of Patrick Dempsey and Kevin Spacey. Oh, man. That guy's got beautiful hair even back then. Like Jimbo. Come on, man. <laughs> like who would take an... <laughs> Dude, the, the, the general public in this movie is ignorant. Yeah. But completely you, ignorant. But you know what? That's exactly how it probably went down in Wuhan. Like some dude was trying to make some extra money and he probably... The guards were too and they sold the old the meat that were being... You know that we're being injected with these viruses and being tested on. I just on. don't like the scapegoat of animals. Away. Yeah, uh, the, in this movie, they they blame everything on this this poor little monkey. <laughs> poor Marcel. The, and I say that because I say Marcel. If you don't know Friends, yeah. it's the same monkey from Mar- Friends, and his name is Marcel. So. I'm glad you mentioned that <laughs> because Friends was out at this time. Uh, that outbreak was out, and you know what else was out at this time that totally just puts my perspective on monkeys in the opposite direction it was a little movie with thor birch called monkey yes. Trouble, <laughs> where she had this literal ebola oh. monkey as her companion following her around town he was a famous monkey man yeah. he's making the rounds and i'm like as a kid as a 13 year old i see outbreak and then i see monkey trouble and i'm like what do i believe here <laughs> which are monkeys out to kill me or are they out to be my best friend uh as i watch these I movies alone i don't think Ebola came from monkeys. I don't know how it came, but I do believe that probably they used the monkey because around that time, AIDS was a big deal, and people yeah. believed that AIDS came from having sex with a monkey for some reason. I confused that in a conversation about Outbreak months ago. I thought uh, it had been a while since I'd seen Outbreak, and I thought it was the, I referenced it as the AIDS monkey in, yeah. in the movie, and I'm like, and I was corrected on the spot. I was like, no, it was Ebola, and, and then it all made sense to me again i'm like yeah of course it was ebola outbreak's not a movie about aids but the way that monkeys have been portrayed as disease carriers historically to the general public is that they're responsible for aids they're responsible for ebola they're responsible for disease that's the bad rap that wildlife gets that if you want to dig a little deeper you can say yeah, that's a pretty easy scapegoat for the people that are really responsible for the shits to just say fall back on every time something like this yeah. happens. The wildlife is not going to stand up on a podium and argue um, against world governments and say, "Hey, we didn't do this, uh, China." It, this, what you're seeing now in reality is actually as of as of fresh news. You're seeing China versus the United States battle. Where did this? originate from we where know did where it, it originate start from man yeah but the the scary thing is you, you can't, can't trust argue, either one <laughs> yeah you can't do that and you also if we're to believe that animals are responsible for this how is that not in the same wheelhouse how is that not a government covering saving face and blaming something that in the wildlife world can't rebut it it, it can't argue well i think the smart people understand that the animals are not the ones that are to be blamed. Um, and it's funny that you say that the monkey during the 90s is now it's pigs and bats, right? Yep. Now we're like, yeah. at this point where pigs and bats are everything. Contagion had it. Yep. Know, it's like that's where the Wuhan virus is is being blamed on. But it's not actually the animals that it came from. Remember, these animals were being tested on with these viruses and they were supposed to be disposed of. They got out uh. by being sold as meat to the Wuhan market. This is the latest theory, and I actually tend to believe this theory because it makes the most sense to me that that's probably what it was. It was a breakdown in security, and I'm sure they were testing bioweapons with coronavirus to see because, again— Absolutely. W- this thing is is too 
it has too many unusual aspects that don't pertain to the actual coronavirus. Yeah. It's it's too much like it was manipulated. It's, it's smart. Yes. It is uh, it is intelligent to a point where as soon as you fast. have it figured out, and you can, if you don't believe that, you can just look at the way the different countries are having to deal with this in real time. Because if you plan like China planned, uh, if your course of action as a country right now affected by this is to incorporate China's methodology and just shut down everything it's already figured that out it's already gotten past that um this thing is mutating on a daily basis it survives in the air now and the mirror for that yeah exactly it's airborne Uh, there's news that's coming out uh, about it on on a daily basis that changes what you thought in the netherlands and in france the number of hospitalized in the netherlands and france uh, over 50 percent are under 50 years old so the intense the intense cases in those parts of the world are completely uh, deviant from what everybody has been clamoring for and saying and, and arguing against. So, yeah, this is an intelligent disease. And you you kind of, you can't be complacent to say, okay, um, if there are the United States infectious disease research military entities, if those places exist, they're not just sitting around studying Ebola. They're not just sitting around studying chickenpox and diseases of the past. They're actually studying diseases that have not been uh, disclosed of even existing yet, and and they're they're ahead of the ball. They have to be. I would imagine entities like that taking a look at stuff that is down the road versus stuff that we've already been able to figure out. So if you're okay with being okay with the fact that there are government entities studying and manipulating diseases, then you have to be okay with the fact that there could be some portion of that here in in the coronavirus deal that we're dealing with right now. Yeah. They're just you have to be okay with that. You can't be naive to the point where like all of this government control and oversight exists in the world, but not when it comes to disease and, and viral plagues. No way. No yeah. way they could be part of this. Well, it definitely, I think we all are in agreement that everybody, almost every country that has some kind of advanced research facility is probably trying to manipulate disease and infectious diseases and viruses. Um, and, and this is something I'm, gonna, I'm a nerd, so I do watch Star Trek. And one of the things that in the future is that they have eliminated all bioweapons they believe that it's against it's against uh, nature it's against yeah, the Roddenberry humanity yeah. things like that so and, I, and i'm one of those people i think that if you're going to try to manipulate and try to control this as a weapon you really can't because the actual the way that it works is that it wants to kill life and i love the line that dustin hoffman says in outbreak where he says man you got to admire the simplicity of this thing it's a it's million a times billion small, times billion smaller, smaller and it's us. winning yeah and then Kevin Spacey says, "Well, what, what do you, you want, want to do? To... Marry it?" And he goes, kill "I want to kill it." Yeah. And I love that. I love that little. There's some great lines in here that are memorable lines, and there's some great acting as well. So I want to go over all the actors here. Okay. You got Dustin Hoffman, Renee Russo. Um, you know, I, what happened to her? My friend was just saying, "Where is she at? She was so good." Thomas Renee Conifer. Russo is a good actress, but she. Um is unfortunately she she falls in the in the typecasted role to me. She's always so? she's always the wife or the uh emotional sort of 
uh, side story companion. Thomas it, Crown Affair? That was a good one. It, yeah, it was. She looked amazing in there, too. You can't talk about Outbreak without talking about the fact that there's a subplot between Dustin Hoffman and Rene yes, Russo. Let's get that. That's like a They're family divorced. drama. <laughs> it's a family drama yeah. for 20% of the movie. Who gets the dogs? Yeah. That it, kind of deal. It's there. almost like the movie was written to be a drama and uh, a, a mm-hmm. sort of uh, story about a man and his wife. And then. Everything else came and and surrounded it and said, what sort of situation can we put these two people who are falling out of love with each other in that is just super dramatic and make get more out of it? Well, it's funny because the casting on this um, had taken a few falls. So this movie was actually based off of a book called The Hot Zone, which actually really happened. Yep. Um, And then they took some they changed it a little bit, of course. Um, after Dustin Hoffman took the role because it was actually supposed to go to Harrison Ford. Obviously, Wolfgang Peterson has... Uh, attachment. Attachment to him, but he didn't do it. Um, I think he was attached to something else, and so there was a couple of actors that were there, and Dustin Hoffman ended up getting the role. Now, Rene Russell was also one of the last choices, it seems, or the last stop. Um, I believe Jodie Foster was in consideration. Mm. A couple of other bigger actresses that are somewhat in that type, like you were saying, typecasted. Yeah. Um, uh, but we also, like you said, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in this. Kevin Spacey's in this. Yep. Um, Donald and he's, Sutherland, who Donald we Donald Sutherland, Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman. Um, we have... Patrick Dempsey. T- Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. Um, by the way, I just want to say, uh, yeah, he's a good-looking bloke, but if not you... Not this one. If you get off of a plane and he's good-looking and he looks like that, do not... Open your mouth and oh, stick your tongue in his mouth. Did you see that kiss? Dude, it was the, the most general, open mouth kiss I ever saw on film. No, and that's I was like, not Whoa. even the worst part, sir. The general public in this movie is so inept and so unprepared for <laughs> something like this. It's not even funny. It's a little disconcerting, too, because Patrick Dempsey, who uh, is, I, I want to say, like the pet shop sort of uh, yeah. smuggler of the monkey from uh, Western Africa over to the U.S., he brings him over. And then Patrick Dempsey gets off the plane, and, and the monkey. Uh, spit on him previously like oh, just God. that's a disgusting and by scene. the way that actually happened they actually got the monkey to spit, to spit on, on him Patrick they used uh. a syringe to put in his mouth and the monkey actually spit uh what's the character's name jimbo jimbo okay, which so is the name of a freaking monkey that's weird yeah. I, you would think uh, jimbo would be the name of a monkey so Jimbo, played by Patrick Dempsey, gets infected by this. We would assume when the monkey spits on his face. Uh, and then, like, within 24 hours, he's getting off of a plane, uh, which, again, broken plot. What about all the people on the plane? Uh, they just uh, were immune I kind of like the Jaws... Uh, theme going on there with the little kid in the in the Toy Story hat, basically, oh, yeah. and he's walking down the aisle and he's going for the cookie. And his mom's like, "It's like a false scare that they kind of give you." You know, there's always like a rule of three in scary movies. There's always two false scares and then a real scare. Mm. So that was one of the false things scares that Randy there. from Scream did not teach us. Yeah, I know. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I I just think that just don't if you see. I'm sorry if I saw my wife looking like hell, like death, Dude. off of a plane. I'm I'm like, yo, (laughs) he looks like he's just been on a Coke, heroin, multi-drug binge on the span of one flight. And he just looks terrible. And the first thing his girlfriend does is just full on suck face with him. It was a really open mouth. I haven't seen that since Top Gun. (laughs) I wonder if Wolfgang, there's no special features on the Blu-ray, no commentary, anything like that. So we didn't get any extra insight from uh, the crew. And it's really hard to find videos on like behind the scenes stuff for this movie, too. But. But uh, I wonder if Wolfgang was like, 
kiss him like uh, like you have not seen him in in multiple months and and just smother him all over. He's not a, he's he's not Israeli, dude. <laughs> okay, maybe my he's German. German. <laughs> okay, I can't. I do- want to see ah, yes. you suck face. Okay, suck <laughs> suck his face off. You want to you want to suck his face off. <laughs> Somehow you still sound Israeli to me, bro. <laughs> All right. I'll work on my German impersonation. the bit. <laughs> but yeah, uh, long story short, it's a gross kiss. And that's not where the worst is. After Patrick Dempsey's character is hospitalized, his girlfriend comes back and sucks his face some more. And the people at the hospital let her in. And she looks terrible. She looks terrible completely there's no level of uh understanding that they could be dealing with a serious outbreak when it comes to the general public in this film granted it does take place in a small town uh it's a small town that's removed from what seems to be adequate medical treatment because it's Uh, a a, something creek what is it um it's a real it's a real place oh it is yeah i believe it's a real i did not know but uh it's what state is this in um Michigan, I believe. Okay. Um, something Creek, Michigan. Uh, Shit's Creek, Michigan. <laughs> basically. <laughs> you might as well call it now. All right. I'll let you look up where it was. But um, uh, very early on, you see that the medical facilities are not equipped for anything of this nature, which is a hemorrhagic fever. And uh, there's some good descriptions of what hemorrhagic fever does to people. And uh, th- that is yeah. accurate for the most part. But, uh, yeah, hemorrhagic fever, if you didn't know, is sort of the underlying main uh, result of something like Ebola or Mm. the Marburg virus or the Hanta virus, which are all in the same class. Yeah, Hanta virus, another river. Very Pokemon. Dude, all these African rivers are very strategically, like, menacing sounding. (laughs) Hanta, Ebola. uh, Maybe it's come to that. Maybe we've come to fear that because of the disease. Maybe. Maybe it does work the other way around. Like, I would have never even cared about that, right? Dengue. Like, I don't really... mm, Doesn't sound menacing, but that does sound menacing a little bit. The Hanta, like, just because of the um the weird uh, correlation to our own language right yeah but i also didn't want to say how successful this movie was as Ooh, well me, in the box office let before, me wrap up what ahead. hemorrhagic fever does it, it boils uh your blood your from the inside yeah. out uh, to the point where it's internal combustion of your organs most liquefy. organs correct uh notorious recent story for this is actually a guy who came down with coronavirus in thailand he was actually suffering from the dengue fever pre uh after he recovered from coronavirus, and so uh, people God wants him dead. People performed a no. Uh, Thai doctors performed an autopsy in Bangkok on him, and they were confused as to how corona. They were a little put back too because they were like, "Whoa, is coronavirus mutilating organs from the inside out?" And in fact, they uh, qualified him as as suffering from dengue fever, and mm. that's what that does. It shuts yeah. down all bodily this is, organs. This is why you bleed from every orifice in your pores because yeah. you're. You're liquefying from the inside out, and it's trying to. There's too much pressure, and it's just coming out. And yeah. that's got to be the most horrible way to die, possibly. Like, I mean, maybe death by fire is about the same. I don't know. It's it's basically the inside out. So it's ah, man, that sounds horrible. But um, if you need a movie to take you away from outbreak, go see Inside Out. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about how successful this movie was. The budget was fifty million dollars. Um, the actual 
grosses, uh, the domestic gross was $67 million. Internationally, it was $122 million. So together, it's about $189 million or $190 million Damn. that it took in. So just shows you how much better Contagion is because Contagion's budget was the same damn amount. And 16 years later, I'm sorry, but Contagion is a much better movie than Outbreak. I, I believe it's a much better movie. It's it's more believable. You don't have to suspend belief as much. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't say that I can't enjoy Outbreak a little bit. Yeah. You know? um, again, it's just the inconsistencies, a little bit of the over-the-top music that kind of takes me yes. out. But what I do th- say is a strong point of Outbreak is um, definitely Dustin Hoffman. Uh, in fact, I feel, I feel a real kinship to Dustin Hoffman's character in this movie with the frustration that he has with how people are dealing with the matter. I see. Um, I often feel that way. Even though I'm not like the biggest authority on this matter, I do pay attention. Um, I do prep a little bit. You know, I try to prepare myself and my loved ones for things to come. That may qualify you as an authority on the matter. If you're just, if you're ingesting more information than the average bear when it comes to something that's serious and requires a lot of information ingestion, then you may just be the authority. That's what the experts are who are dedicated to this in their field. They've been doing it for 20 to 30 years, but they, it's hard to do in real time as it's occurring because you have to rely on it occurring in order to be soaking up all of the information. And so simulations can only get you so far in labs and computer tests and all that. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying that, uh, yeah, that there are everyday citizens that are more well-informed on something like this. Yeah. And I try to err on the side of caution. I mean, what's, what's the harm in, in preparing for something, the worst, and then hoping for the best. That's how I live my life. I prepare for the worst case scenario. I hope for the best. Uh, as well, I prepare as much as I can as far as my uh, monetary, uh, you know, ability oh, you don't can have. have. A, you don't have a spaceship like Elon Musk or ready, Bill to, Gates. ready to take you out of orbit? Yeah, Bill Gates has been preparing this for a long, over 10 years. He's been pouring billions. Um, you know, not suspiciously. He's just a smart oh, man. Suspiciously. He, uh, <laughs> well, well he, he's gone out and said this in public that he believes that we're due for one of these. This well, is he's the also most donated thing. to the Coronavirus Research Fund mm-hmm. over $100 million. He's, he's also recently stepped down from Microsoft uh, board. Yeah. Uh, so and I, he bought a super yacht and he's out there in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Smartly so. Strategically. Yeah. And he's got his own bunkers. So, I mean, when somebody like that is doing it, I don't call him crazy. Yeah. I I call him prepared. And he's still not immune, though. Yeah. No, you're you're not immune to something like this. Um, but he is older, so he does have to take more precautions than others. Yep. Um, and that's just the way that life is. It doesn't matter what virus it is. You're always more susceptible to it when your immune system is Your immune is system's less. given, not given up, but uh, said, okay, uh, our job is done. Enjoy the rest of your life yeah. and cross your fingers. <laughs> yeah, basically, right? So, I mean, And that's the thing, too. A lot of people... Um, are actually dying from pneumonia that have coronavirus or something of the sort. Yeah. And uh, that's that's why uh, some of them are classified as pneumonia High risk. or hepatitis B or something yeah. like the people that are dying that haven't been tested for coronavirus, they're being listed as pneumonia victims and or that's, that's something da- else. That's dangerous too because to if you wonder, yeah, it's, it's uh, scary because we could be under, I say we, but uh, the media could be under-reporting the severity of this by maybe bleeding in flu deaths of the last three to four months in the United States, not only the Mm -hmm. U.S., but in China as well, it's seen uh, 
two to three hundred percent increase from this previous flu season. They reported one point three million flu cases in November and December. Comparatively, in twenty eighteen, it was six hundred and seventy five thousand. So it's literally a doubling in flu cases in China over the last two years. Uh, if you take a look at who's in control of those numbers and who's in control of mitigating the sort of uh, the the intensity of coronavirus. The Chinese government, I'm not putting it past them to say, you know, let's 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 seep a little of the corona effects into the flu stuff because one thing that we've learned over the last two months, the flu and corona if you're being educated by the general public, the coronavirus is just the flu. Well, if it's just the flu, then governments are going to bank on that susceptibility that you're going to equate it to something like the flu and they're going to say, "Oh, okay, let's just let's just bleed some stuff into the flu results because nobody seems to care about the flu. They haven't cared about it for 15, 20 years. So we've got this, we've got this umbrella of saving face that we can use similar to the animals. This is my opinion here. Um, similar to the animals, we can just blame it on them and they'll never look in our direction. Oh, we can just blame it on the flu and we can sort of uh, equate the rise in, in deaths over the last couple of years to the flu. Whereas I believe that this could have been around for some time, and now it's it's gotten to the point where it's unavoidable. It's not a hoax if a whole country shuts down. Nobody shuts down a whole country for the flu. And you're talking about multiple countries at this point that have shut down, including yes. the largest populated country in the world. So I get it. Mm-hmm. You live you live in West Texas. You live in Utah, Michigan. Uh, what goes on around in your small town, outside of your small town, no big deal, right? But the fact of the matter is, to 70% of the world, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to the little pockets of the, of the Western culture that have been indoctrinated to say, nothing's a big deal until it's on your doorstep, um, that's unfortunate because this is a realization that that's not the case and that you've been lied to for some time. And there there are much more important things going on in the world than whatever your social media feed's telling you on a day-to-day basis for the last 15 years. Yeah. I'm a big I'm a big person on preparation. I believe most battles are won in preparation. If you read The Art of War or if you read Confucius, yeah. you know, if you ignore problems from afar, they will soon be upon you. Absolutely. So I think of that scene in Outbreak where they take uh, six, I think her number was 612, and they follow that woman from the family for a little bit yeah. to show you how a victim would feel because she ends up dying. Yes. Spoiler, mm-hmm. right? She ends up dying, and she ends up being a picture on the desk of the uh, the the group of people that get together. I don't want to say just Congress because it's like you know, there's the military guys, there's politicians, there's all these people that are trying to contain this. Yeah, and she ends up being one of the pictures that one of the politicians. I forget his name, but he's like very passionate about it, which I think is a little unbelievable. I don't I, think they I care think that much. Was he played by J.T. Walsh? Yes, he was. That's right, what, J.T. That's Walsh what, yes. is the shit, if yeah. you didn't know. Rest in peace to J.T. Walsh. Mm-hmm. He's been in movies like Breakdown. Pleasant, with, uh, uh, Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Breakdown. Is, he's very memorable yeah. in that. Kurt Ooh, Russell and his wife. Yeah, one. he's the bad guy. He's a good bad Ooh, guy. I too. hated him so much Yo, in that Bre- movie. Breakdown is a gem. Okay. Yeah, why hasn't anybody seen that, man? Kurt uh, Russell. It's not available on streaming. They took it out. That would freak people out. They wouldn't go on on uh, on travel on, on trips to the Southwest, bro. I saw that as a youngin, and I always thought about that when I cross when I yeah. when I travel across, like when I you know travel across Texas or something. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not 
I'm not breaking down nothing. I ain't asking nobody for help, bro. <laughs> Breakdown is like joyride without the trucker. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a serious It's the look. confusion thing that, that's scary in that movie. So you don't know what's going on. But it, it, that's also probably the reason why Outbreak's a little, you know, scary or contagion because you can't see that serial killer and it's killing people. You can see that the deaths are happening, but you don't know who it is. It's literally a scary movie. Right, and in this movie, it's an epic disaster, scary movie with some yeah. heroics in it, and you have a family drama mixed up in it. And you know what? I like Kevin Spacey's character in this. I thought he was quite funny. I think his name is Casey in this. Yeah. And um, well, there you there's go. There's so much foreshadowing in this movie about his death. Actually, you see it. Yeah. Even and I love that scene where he's like. Dustin Hoffman's like, don't, don't tell me to take a rest. I don't tell you how to do your job when you take a sleep. And then the next scene is him sleeping. And then also when Casey, Dustin when Dustin Hoffman gets the the rip in his uh, yes, suit and he sprays and, it down. And he sprays it down. Yeah, uh, for foreshadowing alert. That's how Kevin Spacey bites the dust. Is that uh, which, he's too sleepy? The, does the that advice that he gives you? does it make sense to you that he died um, by having a hole in his suit? Was this thing that airborne to the point where it... They made it seem that way. And, I, and that's another... Yeah, I didn't like that I didn't scene, like it either. The war, it's very fast and furious. You know yes. how it goes through the vents and stuff? And yes. he's only like, it's airborne. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, Did, was that necessary? That was like 20 seconds of vent yeah. and that I could have just gone without. There are, comp- there are compartment moments in this movie that are just hyper well, sensational. You got to remember in 1995, when they first got CGI to work, people. they were like, let's overuse CGI. Let's do these things that we could never do before these shameless blatant like uh over the top shots like fast and the furious right when it goes through the engine and you see the combustion and it comes yeah, out the absolutely. the the muffler in the that's back how not, wait you're telling me that's not how nos works <laughs> uh anyways but yeah man there's a couple of those scenes so yeah i do think it was that airborne or they try to make it seem that way yeah and so when he does get that I, it's it's funny because if he would have just taken his advice, it was because he was sleepy, right? He falls asleep on the microscope and he's like, ugh. And then he like yeah, walks he away. his own advice, which is telling Dustin Hoffman's character to, to go, go get sleep. some rest. Yeah. 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 So if he, he would still be alive and I felt really bad for him. And it was a touching scene between him and Renee Russo's character. I forget her name in the movie, to be honest, but I'm just going to say Renee Russo. Where Robbie. She's, yeah, Robbie. Okay. And uh, he just asked her to hold his hand because he's so scared. Because I do believe that's how we would and all feel. And Renee Russo is infected. Yeah. Well, she's already infected. That's why she's there. No, she gets infected. Uh, oh, yeah. at the By, yes. that, by that time, she yeah. Gets infected she gets by herself. Kevin Spacey's hemorrhagic reactions. When yeah. uh, he's hemorrhaging and sort of uh, having seizures on the table, she's trying to calm him down. Yeah. Well, it's and, her fault, actually. It's not because of him. She knew better not yeah, to be doing it at the time. I know needles. Yeah, she said she should have never needles. been doing it when he was like that. So, and she stabs herself and she's got it, the Mombata. So, the Mombata. The Mombata. That's going to be my catchphrase for 2020. Like, Mombata. What do you think of the titling of uh, coronavirus? Is it, uh, does it sound menacing enough for what it really is? Well, I think if you're of Hispanic descent, you either go two ways. Yeah. Right? Corona means crown. Mm-hmm. So that means there's many points That's to it. where it came from because yes. of the look and the design, the, the exactly. physical design of the, the virus itself has yeah. the crown shaped. Mm-hmm. So you either take it seriously because you know there's multiple points to it or two, you're like, eh, Corona with Lyme, with a little Lyme disease. You know, you make no jokes about it, you know? Yeah. And this is, another, this is another moment in history where those people who live that sort of lifestyle, I mean, I'm not... 
I, I don't want to overstep my bounds and say what a bunch of recklessness and, and just out of sight, out of mind people are going to get it the worst when it comes to this, uh, or just not not out of sight, out of mind, but completely negligent of the fact that it exists. And they continue about their their status quo, but their status quo is is just getting online and making fun of everything going on in the world through their little social media outlets yes. by cranking out memes, cranking out funny jokes, <laughs> uh, things like that, because yeah. there's an audience for that. Yeah. Surprisingly, there's still an audience, whether it's bot-generated mm-hmm. or real people, there are people out there who will spike um, the the likes and the attention that a stupid picture with a bottle uh, and... I will uh, say the uh, one thing about memers, uh, I saw this, it was pretty amusing that basically it showed a picture of Titanic going down and then the next picture is of the violin people and they're like memers. Yeah. That's basically what they are. That's very true. They're violining on our way down. This is 2020, man. We lost Kobe... I mean, this has yeah, been a right. bad year, man. <laughs> like well, at every the same day. time, this might be a jab at the meme generation and the meme culture out there. But they've also been self quarantining for the last twenty years themselves. They yeah. haven't stepped foot outside. Gamers, yeah, this is, gamers this themselves. Is this is heaven daily. For them. Oh, E E3 going to be live stream, man. We've been asking for this for for twenty years. I they canceled it. All, no, all right. E3 is going to be it's still going on. Yeah, multiple streams right. from yeah. This is this is I'm saying this is daily for gamers. Like people have been laughing at them for years. The work but, from home crowd. Yeah. Uh, if you've already gotten my uh, my co host on Meandering was mentioning that programmers are not going to suffer at all from anything like this because. Mm-hmm. This is right up their alley. For me, the coronavirus is here to stay like the the flu, the common flu, mm-hmm. and it will mutate every year and we'll have vaccinations every year. And there'll be less deaths of it, but there will be deaths every year from this from here on out. It's not going anywhere. It's 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 not like we can contain it and then it's gone. It's going to be here. So um, this little point is the panic is nobody's immune to it right now so you you can possibly and the way it spreads of course so it's it's the way the spanish influenza spread right there's a much panic but the flu ended up being like a mutation later on and yeah we, what we, we deal it's with still here. The flu, it's still here what we deal with on a yearly basis with the flu are the remnants of the spanish flu whether that's people what I realize that or be. not yeah yeah so um but if you're on Al- the onset of that yeah back to back outbreak. to outbreak sorry it's guys hard. We went on it's a hard not to uh, well, it's on our minds and I, I, yeah, I believe that a lot of the people that are tuning in at least to these episodes they want a bit of that it's probably about coronavirus mm-hmm. and you know what maybe in the future you're tuning in because of some other outbreak of some sort in your area that you want to know more about why do you think i brought the purge movies over yeah that'll be next <laughs> the purge is probably the ne- <laughs> it's the worst case scenario start, what's going to happen wait, wait, now, wait a second <laughs> if you've taken a look at the grocery stores uh, in the last week in the mm-hmm. United States, yeah, there's a lot of moments in the purge that'll be like, uh, that'll make you yeah. look at that in, in a different light and say it's Black Friday basically every day right now in mm-hmm. the United States, uh, except it's Black Friday with necessities versus uh, materialistic goods. So yeah. that's what's dangerous is, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of danger right now in 2020, you know, so hopefully we make it out. What but, a time to be alive, man. Yeah. Some people are getting activated, uh, and some people have sort of been led up to, to be people uh, that <laughs> yeah. can navigate We got some John Connors going waters. on right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, um, I also want to talk about the cinematography in this movie because, oh, okay. you know what, I think it is a strong suit. Like, I was actually thinking, mm, it's going to be like the regular, and it is sort of. 
but it looked I, good in 4K upscale. Granted, yes. I have the Blu-ray, but it did look very good. It still is great angles. It, it has yeah. good depth of field. It's it's good, and I want to go over the cinematographer because you're going to know who this. Is. I don't think you know the name, but you know his movies. Um, his name is uh, Michael Balhas. I do not know Mr. Balhas. Yeah, Balhas. So I'm going to go over a couple of movies that you may know. He has a ton. Um, you're going to know The Departed in 06. Yeah, that's a little... Uh, Gangs little of New York in yeah. 02. Another obscure title. Legend of Bagger Vance, 00, 2000. Uh, good old Will Smith, Matt Damon. And, and here's a bad movie, Wild Wild West. Another <laughs> another Will Smith film. Yeah, uh, he also did Air Force One. And, and also he did Sleepers in 96. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula in 92. Goodfellas in 90, The Color of Money in 86. So again, there's so much more. You can see his he's dealt with Martin Scorsese for a while. So if you know Martin Scorsese's work, he's had some very good uh very good camera work like mise-en-scenes like in goodfellas when they tr- when they they're follow all, him they're all human stories too they rely more on the human interaction and the dialogue and mm-hmm. the drama between characters versus the you know out of um out of the screen action and and the large sets although gangs of new york of course is a large set but uh it's still it's still a very intimate story though. yes same most, thing with air force one yeah. like you've got the big plane but most of the action in air force one is can contained it's within the within the plane itself and in uh meeting rooms and little Mm -hmm. closets and the cargo so yeah this guy thrives in uh in In intimate stories i think settings because when i see some of the camera work as far as the epicness i don't know if this is wolfgang peterson's but you can always blame the director on things it's ultimately his decision the tone and the look and what, what what they're doing artistically right um but i wasn't really thrilled with too much of the helicopter scenes i was um, impressed that they used helicopter. There are helicopter scenes that they actually use. There was one great scene where the helicopter is taken off, and this other things being taken where they're seeing the crowd. There was like yeah. a good transition from certain things as they're following. Are you talking about the scene where Cuba Gooding and Dustin Hoffman? Escape? That's later. That's yeah, actually okay. later. But th- that one is isn't impressive. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. It's very like just rudimentary and it's one stereotyp- of the things that stereotypical. Uh, now again, uh, I'm not the most military guy. I did grow up on base, but I do think that the helicopter they're 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 in is not a military helicopter. Helicopter. It doesn't look like you could have actual ammo in those or missiles in those things. Like it's it's just it looks like a civilian helicopter. Now the helicopters that are chasing them, those are military helicopters. Um, if you have like an Apache or a Blackhawk or you know things like that, have uh, the Apache has like uh, missiles on it and like miniguns and stuff. Mm-hmm. But those wings are much thicker. You know they have to be because those ammo is heavy. You can't just put, you know, two missiles on a freaking civilian helicopter and not think that there's not going to be some kind of weight counterbalance right. to like mess it up. So that that looks like a, a, a Channel Five News helicopter that was painted black and they put little uh, missile things on the side of it that don't even look like they could carry a missile or anything that would ignite yeah, it. That would make sense. Yeah, and I'm like, no, no. And Cuba Gooding Jr. like out piloting uh you know the best pilot in the military I- i'm sorry it's just i don't think it's gonna happen yeah well, the, the the action in this movie is definitely not the strong point but there are moments of it it is wolfgang peterson at the end of the day so there is that 90s vibe of like you said the uh the action being paced 
like a ton of other action movies. Yes. Steven Spielberg-esque a little bit, like yeah. late 80s kind of Steven Spielberg-esque. So, yeah. um, it's not done a, as well. Also a precursor to what we have now in Hollywood in many ways. It's like the mm-hmm. uh, drama, drama, um, dialogue, dialogue, and then big action sequence. And nowadays the action sequences are oh so over the top uh, yeah. that... You can definitely tell the evolution from one movie to the other. Yeah. And Outbreak was definitely not on the forefront of the action scenes. I think it was uh, it was just the the stigma for mid '90s action when dealing mm-hmm. with a more serious topic was like your action's not going to fit in very well into a disease outbreak movie because in reality there's not much action to be had unless the story uh, warrants it and in this case yeah Dustin Hoffman's the rebel against the government and he's trying to race against a clock that's really there but it's only there because the plot allows for it to be there so then yeah the action just <laughs> yeah. does not I I wasn't digging Dustin Hoffman's Eddie, uh Dustin Hoffman's Eddie Murphy impression where he's trying to be like just put your phone uh, finger on that phone yeah. uh, sergeant or whatever it just didn't yeah. work for me he nah. wasn't that slick i mean i like dustin hoffman so much like yeah he's so great at things but i was like i wasn't buying it like the the eddie murphy routine like you're not that guy you know and so he was just he just wasn't slick enough to get that done um however i will say that um with the helicopter scenes and all that I, the one thing i do appreciate it is that they at least attempted it to be real like they didn't try to CGI it all. Yeah, they could CGI right? fest. They couldn't. Well, they kind of could. So one of the things that they uh, messed up on, just to let you know, at the end of the film when they dropped the bomb, um, of course it looks really bad they now. They dropped the bomb on me. Don't, don't, don't. They dropped hey, the bomb on me. This is a baby. Hell, what a good song to uh, throw in your playlist <laughs> as you're quarantining. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but in that scene when they play chicken, basically with yeah. uh, uh, with the the, military. Yeah, what is it? A Hercules uh, plane, I believe. Yes. Uh, C three hundred. C thirty. Yeah, something like that. So they dropped the bomb in the ocean, right? Instead. And uh, in the original, the way they originally were supposed to do it was they were going to drop it above the city and it exploded above the city. Yeah. Um, I don't think they had enough budget to do so. Um, so they ended up doing it <laughs> later. So, I mean, it just didn't. It just didn't make sense that they were so far away by then, and they yeah. dropped it in the ocean, like like and, Dark Knight. And honestly, it wouldn't have made sense if they dropped it over the city and it blew up in the sky. It's not like they had a remote detonator or something. It just it it blows up on impact or something, I believe. So I've never seen one of those bombs, to be honest. I don't know much about the uh, the way it sucks in all the oxygen and then just obliterates everything. Yeah. But uh, you know, in my sense, that explosion at the end would not have covered that whole little town. I mean, I saw the town in the foreground and it just looks it sprawled a little bit more you yeah know? Uh, it was like population 3500 or, or something yeah. like that under 5000 oh, people it's, uh, it's cedar creek cedar creek, cedar creek michigan. michigan i don't know if that's a real town there's I a think battle I was thinking creek of west, michigan battle creek and west creek that's what yeah. i was thinking in my mind i guess and there's probably a Shits creek michigan there's yeah. a hell michigan there <laughs> michigan's got a lot of weird uh weird city names just like every state um, I, I think uh, what I take the most from Outbreak, again, it's a movie that doesn't it doesn't hold hold up well unless you're in a sort of a zeitgeisty uh, world where, where it has some pertinence. So, like, I wouldn't throw Outbreak on if there weren't a global pandemic going on. <laughs> I, I would turn Contagion on if there were not. I've watched Contagion 15 yeah. times over the last decade. 
uh, I'm Outbreak's not one of those movies. You have to be in the mood to really enjoy this movie because it doesn't. It's not structurally sound, in my opinion, anymore. Uh, yeah. As far as the plot's concerned, even some of the acting's a little. Uh, it's good because of the level of talent that you're dealing oh, yeah. with. But you mentioned the Morgan Freeman believability factor. Dustin They're, Hoffman. Dustin Eddie Hoffman Murphy as well. Routine. He's very cookie cutter in this movie, even though his character is not. Uh, this is like this is one of those movies that I would like to see maybe redone uh, now in light of current events because the best part of this movie, just like Contagion, is the various perspectives and the various things that people are trying to do uh, in light of what's going on. So Dustin Hoffman's the guy who really is just concerned with the truth of the matter and uh, the virus and containing it itself, and he's always one or two steps ahead. Uh, Whereas in Contagion, the equivalent to that, in my opinion, is the Jude Law character minus the uh, need for greed, because that, in in 1995, there's no need for greed in Outbreak. It's the government, really, Mm -hmm. that uh, is wanting to They left that story out, which is important. It is important because it's evolved into that. In, In this day and age, you have the people that try to capitalize on off of these sorts of events. But in 1995, well, here on our local level, that was Bill Gates who had uh, the patent on all the corona research and all of that. So, yeah, that was a mid-decade. He Mm -hmm. sort of got his money and his hand involved in all this, and then he started having his TED Talks and saying, uh, we're really at risk of of something like this occurring. So Yeah, so, you know, I... I you know I'm one of those guys like you said you probably wouldn't have put on the movie but I probably at some point would have put it on just because I watch I like to watch movies I've watched before just to see mm. like you know especially good or bad doesn't matter how really. it was handled yeah, at the time I, because I've changed you uh-huh. know my um uh my level of understanding of the way film communicates has changed my I've gotten more complicated um the audience has gotten more complicated yeah. I mean I think a lot of people know who directors were are but I didn't know who a director was until much later in life and that's the good side of yeah. of the whole YouTube uh internet yeah. wave is that you can find out now Anything. we we were figuring it out by looking at the back of VHS boxes yeah. and the back of blu commentaries and the commentaries yeah. and I've sat around for some credits like it used to be you weren't sitting around for the the credits to watch a scene at the end of the credits you were sitting around to see who was involved in the movie yeah who uh who complemented the certain aspects of the film that you wouldn't know uh because you didn't have access to imd being it so mm-hmm. and nowadays people sit through the credits to watch the end scene right yeah that's a it's a creative way to get people to sit Stick through around. and yep. and give thanks or appreciate the people that worked on this yeah um you know one of the first times i i realized that was jackie chan movies you know, he always has like a blooper reel, like of his stunts. Oh yeah, going after wrong Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, so I yep. started watching the credits there, yeah. um, as well as um, uh, Armageddon. They have a fun eight millimeter. Actually, Ben Affleck, the wedding, uh, the one that, yeah, the wedding yep. thing, right? So you you see, like, uh, you can get around and do some crazy credits to get people to stick by, and I think that's a good thing because. Um, the way that movies used to be back in the day where the credits were in the beginning because they knew that they weren't going to stick around. Most so all of them. the yeah. headliners or the ones that are like big, like you wanted producer, to get director, yep. uh, cinematographer, that's all in the front. It's all cast. propaganda at the end of the day yeah. too. So nowadays if you watch a movie, a lot of times that's not even present. Yeah, you're There's right. not even a credit at all. It just starts. And so with this movie, um, when I look back on movies like this, um, I take a grain of salt with the, of course, like the, during the era and so forth, because you got to remember in 95, 
Kevin Spacey and Morgan Freeman were in Seven the yeah. same year. The same year. Yeah. Which is, a, for me, a much better movie. I'm sorry, Wolfgang. Uh, it's a good movie, but Seven is... Uh, is a fine wine. It, it, really it still is, is we'll good ta- today. We'll talk about it more in depth. Uh, I yeah. know we've had uh, brief conversations about it. No, uh, looking. Uh, this is why Outbreak is is still well worth people revisiting in the curtain situation because you do get a little bit of of insight on it that another movie like Contagion does not really reveal. Uh, you don't get the military perspective in Contagion all too strongly. Yeah, There's it, bits and pieces. very little. But in Outbreak, it's concentrated. So in the current time, if you want to get some insight, here are your options uh, with dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. If you want insight on how the military is handling, you can read articles online that are going to require a large amount of your dedication and focus. You can watch Outbreak. You can listen to the Trump administration in real time and the U.S. Surgeon General uh, discussing his roundabout Mm -hmm. interpretation of it. Or you can think for yourself. The 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 least imposing one, uh, the least imposing option there is to watch Outbreak and see the potential of of what could be going on behind the scenes from various personality types that are dealing with this. You know, if you're watching Outbreak um, in this time in this era, I would ask forgive it a little bit of the things that we've talked about, uh, the criticisms that we kind of put out there. Yeah, sure. Um, again, that's the grain of salt, right? It was a victim of its era, as we all are most of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying, and you know, in, in some sort, Wolfgang Peterson, um, he really uh, changed my life in certain ways in certain movies like The NeverEnding Story. He's definitely influenced pop culture in so many of the movies that he's done. Um, Outbreak is probably going to be now on there because of this. However... I will still, if we're gonna, if this isn't a battle versus episode, but I do have to say, Contagion for me wins out on the more realistic scenario. The twenty to forty year old crowd right now that wants to be as informed as possible, listen to our Contagion episode and watch Contagion before you listen to our Outbreak episode and and watch Outbreak. Yeah. Uh, that's the way that we treated it. Like Outbreak wasn't even on our radar uh, until a it month came or on two Netflix. ago. Until it came <laughs> on Netflix, and then I'm like, well. I've watched the shit out of Contagion as yeah. of late, so I'm not going to watch that again. What else can I can give me a little bit more of a different perspective on what's going on yes. in the world of cinema that I can turn my brain off somewhat and not be you know crunching articles and data online uh, regarding this? Uh, if you want that, just listen to meandering. Yeah, and and this movie though, um, what I uh, again, it's strong suits are the actors, and I like. I kind of do like the intimate story of everything going on as far as the drama goes. Um, I like that the that they're all kind of connected because in um, Contagion they were not; they were all separated stories almost. Maybe an inkling of them touching here and there, but um, in this one, there are some there are some lessons to be learned. Of course, um, have fun though when you watch this because. I really like it. Yeah, have have fun with it for sure. Uh, that's that's important to keep in mind in in times like this too. Uh, regardless of the severity of what's going on out there, our 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 purest coping mechanism, I think, as as human beings, and you do see a little bit of it in the meme generated dude. I, I was harsh on them a little earlier in this conversation, but at the same time, I understand that that making light of something 
is some people's coping mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, and and they don't Humor. they they don't have they don't have the they don't have the range. Uh, so it's either it's it's like something crippling and serious that is imposing itself on your everyday life. Some people's responses to that is to laugh at it. And 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 that that's okay. You can't really laugh while watching Outbreak, but you can certainly take a look at. Sometimes you can. You can. Yeah, there you are. Can. There, there are some are laughable scenes. moments, man. But you can certainly look at how a uh, little over the top and and Hollywood actiony it is comparatively to what uh, what something like Contagion is. So if you need, what I would suggest is if you don't want to uh, really be too too deeply affected by what's going on right now start with outbreak Out- outbreak is like the the smaller ebola like uh small city of 5000 affected and this is this is a hollywood version of that uh contagion is is much grimmer and and the the it's more realistic yeah and we talked about in in our previous episode of the film room the way that that movie ends is much grimmer, but they even, you know, they it still was too happy. for Yeah. Me. They turned the off switch <laughs> at some point. They had to, yeah, they had to, because then you're teetering into unknown territories yeah. because you've never had anything more serious than what took place in contagion. Yeah. And everybody would become Howie Mandel if we all yep. just watch contagion. But, uh, if I we think, all watch Outbreak, yeah. we, we all... Uh, <laughs> We're all just, uh, you know, it's just a 90s uh, action movie. It's not like after Twister, I was too much crazy. Moral like, of the story is don't end up like Patrick Dempsey. Yes. Or his girlfriend. Jimbo. Yeah, don't don't suck face with somebody that looks like death, man. Yeah. Even if you love them. I didn't, Just, well, I didn't stop people with the herpes simplex. Mm, okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, wash your hands, people. Keep safe. Stay in. And... Uh, we hope to see you on the next episode. Which is, uh, we, we don't know yet. We're deciding. We're going we're gonna to roll with the punches. Yeah. Stay tuned. See you guys.